Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's been eight coaches for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And it's been, oh my God, it's been almost, it's been nine years almost since he was drafted. Yeah, they, the he's owners. played eight years. So he's heading into his ninth year with his uh, eighth, uh, eighth different head coach. So that's, if it's not a league record, I feel sorry for whoever does have that league record. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to have to go and do a hell of a lot of uh Hockey DB diving. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine that anybody else has had that. Eight coaches and eight full seasons. In nine years. That's yeah. that's amazing. I mean, you know, you're counting interim guys too, but obviously those are those count. I mean, yeah. Todd Nelson and Ken Hitchcock coached for a fair chunk of those two orders seasons. I mean, Hitchcock coached more than half a year, Nelson yeah. half a year. And yeah. he threw McTavish in behind the bench during Nelson's uh, tenure for, what, three or four games or so. And he, he's very well aware of it too. It's not like it's, you have to point it out to him. Like I was talking to him yesterday after the Tippett thing and he's the guy who, who, who reminded me, I was, no, it's not seven, it's eight. So he's very aware of the, the massive, you know, upheaval that keeps happening, uh, during his time with the, with the, with the Oilers. And it's not something that, <clears throat> you know, he just shrugs off. It's, it's something that, that, you know, obviously bothers him. It's a major change for a player to have a, a new coach come in. You have to totally, adjust you know not so much your play because he's a pretty complete two-way player anyway but just the personalities and what the coach is looking for and you have to build that relationship with the coach and what he likes and what he doesn't like and how you communicate with him and and then okay boom he's gone and as soon as you you know get that to where you want it he's out and another guy's in and then six months later he's out and another guy's in and it's uh you know the guy is longing for some stability and you know maybe this this might be the uh the tandem that finally brings it to him after eight years. I'm Craig Gellingson, and this is the Oil Spills Podcast. It's uh, it's Wednesday, May 29th, uh, 2019, with Rob Tichkowski of the Edmonton Sun and Edmonton Journal. Covers the Edmonton Oilers. You know, we talk about stability and all these coaches Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had. I mean, that was your story you wrote for today's paper. I mean, the Oilers introduced Tippett yesterday. I mean, you know, they did have Todd McClellan in place for for three, three and a, almost a half years. And uh, I guess in the NHL, that's pretty much your average, maybe even longer than average tenure as a coach. We can't all be Joel Quenville or, or Dave Tippett's who's, mm. who's uh, coached eight years in Dallas, seven years in Arizona. And I guess, you know, with Ken Holland coming in from Detroit as GM, uh, you know, and he likes to have, uh, co- 
coaches in place for, you know, long spells. I mean, he had Babcock in place for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. Blashill's, I think, entering year four. And he said he wants stability. He wants people to be around for a few years. You know, how long is Tippett's contract? Three. It's three years. I mean, I mean, we'll see, right? I mean, this is Tippett's third stop on the NHL, his NHL tour as a coach. What can you tell me about Tippett and his what kind of a coach he is, especially compared to, you know, Todd McClellan or even a Ken Hitchcock? I mean, Hitchcock was brought in on the interim. You know, his reputation is, you know, obviously precedes him and and it's it's fair. I mean, anybody who's watched those Arizona teams knows exactly how they played. They they would try to choke the life out of the game and 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 they had some reasonable success doing it when they still had a decent roster. When the roster uh when the bottom fell out of it and the team was kind of this shoestring, you weren't even sure if they were going to stay in Arizona. It went sideways in a hurry. Like they were they they lost a lot of games, they gave up a lot of goals, but when he has a good team, it is still defense first and that's the case with most coaches like they'll they'll all tell you like no no I like offense I want to you know offense comes from good defense and you're you're better defending when you have the puck and and the whole thing every coach says that uh but there are different styles you know the Toronto Maple Leafs you know they get the same speech from their coach right you know the best the best offense is a good defense, and and if you're you know you're not turning the puck over and you're careful with it, you know it, it leads to it leads to offense. But they definitely play a different style than than a lot of Dave Tippett's teams. But you have to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's a smart enough guy and he's been around long enough that he will look at this roster and see what it has and adjust his style and the way that he wants this team to play accordingly. But having said that, the Oilers are terrible defensively, like terrible i think they were 25th and 27th in the league in in goals against over the last couple of years so it is an area that he that he has to really strongly address so he's in that sense he's the right guy for this uh he's similar to hitchcock in that respect like he hitchcock was all about structure and and not giving up the puck and and you know defense 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 he's kind of a like a just a slightly more personable uh, version of that like he will Still try to get that message across, but he's not as in your face and and you know um, aggressive uh, in in dealing with the people that Hitchcock was. So you know he might you know he he can smooth things over. Hitchcock was kind of an abrasive guy. He uh, he would come to a new team and and you know it would be his way or the highway, and he would get in everybody's grill and challenge them in the room and call them out publicly and that sort of thing. And it it worked. His teams were good. They improve quickly. They, you know, they they do short up their defense, but it, there's a shelf life to that. Uh, Tippett, obviously not. He was eight years in one place and seven years in another, preaching that style. So he has a way of getting it across, getting the guys to play it, being successful at it without losing the room. So that, in theory, is exactly what the Edmonton Oilers need. They have to get better defensively. The offense, you know, they have a couple of three guys that are good offensively. Uh, and a couple more who we're not sure about whether they can do that again next year, you know, like with Cassian who had a career high and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, forget the other winger that uh, my Alzheimer's is kicking in, but they, they had a couple of guys who overachieved. Chason. Yeah. Sorry. Chason. Yeah. Uh, they had a couple of guys who overachieved, whether they'll bring that to the table next year, you know, you don't necessarily count on it. You can count on the top three. You can't count on anybody other than that. Anything other than that's a bonus. So they still need, you know, the the offensively they still need a couple more guys. But 
defensively, I think Tippett is going to really hit that area hard, and it's an area that needs to be hit hard. And if they shore it up and knock off 25 goals from their goals against uh, total, they're suddenly in the mix for being a playoff team. Now, Tippett did say during his presser that, uh, you know, when addressing the uh, his defensive style of coaching, that, you know, when he ca- he went to Dallas in 2002, his first head coaching gig in the NHL, but he had been an, an assistant in L.A. before that where he ran the power play. You know, he was a forward himself. Not that that makes a difference in terms of what kind of a coach you are. But he was saying, you know, I can I, – I think about offense too. I – you know, he mentioned the, running the power play in L.A. And when he got to Dallas and, you know, working with that team, obviously Dallas had a very good defense. Uh, you know, he replaced Hitchcock, if I recall, um, in place. And, um, you know, and obviously known for his defensive style in, in Arizona. But he's probably playing, you know, partly because of the players he had or, I don't know, maybe the system obviously that works for him and, and for those players. So, you know, being able to adjust – to who you have. I mean, clearly he's got McDavid, uh, you know, considered to be the biggest offensive player in the game. And he's got Dry Saddle on his on his team, a fifty goal man. So, you know, I would I guess we everybody wants the best of both worlds. Yeah, when you're when yeah. you're icing your team. Oh yeah, like he's a he's a smart hockey guy. Like I, I think that, you know, coaches know the game, guy especially, you know, guys who've been head coaches in the NHL for fifteen years. And they know the game and they know the league. The Dallas stuff, that was just the era. Everybody was doing that back then. Like everybody was choking the life out of the game. It was kind of the like literally the worst era in NHL history. Hockey sucked watching it. It was it was terrible. And now the game is going in a different direction and, and it's you know, it's it's up to him to to prove that yeah, like he he was, you know, originated from from an offensive uh, perspective with Los Angeles, and now it's time to show that again because he's got two very creative offensive guys. So it's it's up to him to utilize them while at the same time, like as we've said, really shoring up the goals against because that's a problem. The Oilers give up way too many goals and way too many easy goals that 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 could easily be avoided just you know by by cutting some corners or cheating a little bit or not doing some of the things that you know so those sound structured defensive teams. Uh, do like and the league is changing though there's no question about it the the, the, the the hockey is getting to a place now where you're trying to outscore the opposition instead of holding the opposition to fewer goals than you have which sounds like the same thing but it's not like you know it, it isn't the first team to two or three anymore it's you know you, maybe the first team to four so you have to rely on your offensive guys and they like they're starting from a great position they have the hard part done they have Connor McDavid they have Leon Dreisaitl they have Nugent Hopkins the, the 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 issue is surrounding them with some some decent forwards they still need another 25 to 30 goal scorer which is going to be hard to get and I'm not sure what they're going to do with their defense because they I don't know that they retrieve and transition and move the puck very well from the back end and that's where everything starts every good team has that and the I'm not sure the Oilers do and that's kind of this the the starting point for a lot of their mistakes is that you know they're dumping into Edmonton's end and they'll start booting it around and and instead of you know getting it making one quick pass to the other defenseman or one quick pass to a, to a breaking forward it's you know they they stumble around with it and then their their breakout consists of just getting it the hell out of here to relieve the pressure and then the other team you know gets it and fires it right back in and suddenly you're in this cycle where you know you're you're being cycled constantly, and and bad things are going to happen when when you when you're in your own end. So, 
from that perspective, they're right. The best defense is a good offense, and it starts with your defense getting the puck out of your own end. And that's a big, big area that uh, that I'm not sure how they address, but I'm pretty sure they will because that's something they spoke about uh, briefly yesterday in some of the scrums. You know, like you, uh, you wrote in your story uh, ahead of the Tippett uh, announcement, I mean, in some ways, a lot of the work we need to see done is, you know, the coach, it's only, there's only so much we're going to be able to expect. Really, we're waiting for changes in the roster and to see what kind of changes Ken Holland is going to bring about. You know, whether it is changing the personnel and defense, who you can add an offense. I mean, until we see that, you know, and we have to assume that, you know, players, the, you know, existing players on the NHL roster will have learned from their experience and, and be better next year. Who who might be coming up from Bakersfield? Who who can play on the NHL roster, and what kinds of things they can do along the lines of what you're saying? Yeah, I mean it's because that's why the 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 buzz with Tippett wasn't much of a buzz. Like he's an experienced coach, and you know usually when this happens, the city's like, oh okay, here's a. You can't tell me he's any better than McClellan. McClellan was a fine coach, and and he couldn't get it done. Hitchcock is a Hall of Fame coach, and and he couldn't get it done. So. You're bringing in another coach, you know, he's he's decent, he has a good resume, you know, great. But the issues with this team are the team, are the players. That's not, the roster isn't good enough. The, the, the mechanisms that put those players in place aren't good enough. Uh, and Holland came in and the, they said, you know, he had complete autonomy to do whatever he wanted. And it looks like that's the case because he's starting to address some of those fundamental structural issues that I've been talking about for 10 years. Like, you know, Paul Coffey as the skills coach is out because he was he was never around. I don't nobody knew what he did. He just was kind of on salary, and you'd see him every once in a while, kind of looking over the shoulders of the coaches who were already here. And it was a really weird and awkward dynamic. Uh, the Sutter's out in player uh, in, in pro scouting, which is a which is a big issue. McTavish voluntarily or saw the writing on the wall has left. So you know, there's three members of that structure that are that are out of the that are out right now. So that tells you that he is going to address those issues. And now those are the issues that have been killing this organization for a long time. So that's where it starts. And now the next step is as we head into the summer and into the draft is what can he do to, to change the look of this team right now, given that he doesn't have a whole lot to trade and he doesn't have virtually any salary cap space. His hands are tied to some extent. So Let's see what kind of subtle moves he can get and what kind of changes Tippett can bring to the way they play and then see if that's enough to get them hanging around a, a playoff spot, you know, late next season. You know, I've got to wonder, talking about coaches and personnel, I mean, Tippett did say in his press conference that he's going to talk to the, you know, existing assistants just to see where they're at. Um, can't expect everybody's going to return, if anyone. Uh, for next year, I mean, every coach has his guys, and Dave Tippett is no no different. Um, but at the same time, how much of a difference is that really going to make? I don't know. I kind of like Trent Yanni around here. Like he's really, he's really good when it comes to working with young defensemen, and that's what the Oilers have uh, a few of potentially coming up. So, you know, I, I I would wouldn't mind seeing him stick around. But it's it's totally up to up to Tippett. Like if you're going to be the guy, you're going to want to surround yourself with people that you know and trust, and you have that synergy and experience. Well, with so you know, I, I he's they the question came up at the press conference, and he said, you know, 
what are you going to do with the assistants? And he said, well, I want to meet with everybody first. So not exactly a ringing endorsement, but we don't know typically exactly what he meant by that. So he will talk with them and, and then make his own call. And, and Holland said, yeah, it's up to him. Like he'll pick his guys and then I'll sign off on them. And, and that's going to be that. And it's, it's kind of interesting the way they compartmentalize everything. Like Holland says, it's, it's up to Tippett who his, his assistants are going to be. And then I asked Holland yesterday, you know, did you run any of this past McDavid when you were talking about, you know, what are you looking for in a coach or what kind of coach would the Oilers need or, you know, what are you looking? He's like, no, McDavid was not involved in this or updated one iota. He says, it's, it's my job to hire the coach. The coach comes in. And then after that, McDavid and the new coach will form a relationship. But I don't want to be in a position where, you know, McDavid did or didn't sign off on the new coach because that just creates an uncomfortable situation for later on. And it's A, it isn't necessary. And, and B, it's it's not the way it goes because the GM hires the coach and then the coach and the player, you know, form a relationship because they're professionals and that's what they do. So There had been some, con- McDavid has been consulted on moves in the past, however. Uh, I think, or no? Hard to say. I mean, it's something we're not privy to. Yeah. In exit meetings, they will always say, you know, the, the, in this case, it'd be Nicholson, I guess, would sit down and say, what did you think of, you know, say Ken Hitchcock, you know, and then you give your honest opinion because the team is going to be making those decisions based on everybody, not just Connor. Like every player comes out of that thing and they'll say, what did you think about, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You get those honest answers. And, you know, that's how you sort of canvas the room. So from that perspective, yeah, they, they'll they'll get his opinion. But I don't believe that, you know, midway through last season, they said, you know, should we fire Todd McClellan or not? I don't I don't think that would have been the case. Mm. You know, I think about, um, you know, former players who might have played with, you know, play, who had played for Tippett who are on the Oilers roster now. Uh, well, in the case of Toby Reader, I mean, his contract is up. Um you know, with Santa Gami, it was also a coyote under yeah. under Dave Tippett. I wonder, you know, the whole line of, you know, of, oh, I played for this coach. I had success under this coach. I mean, Toby Reader was an effective player uh, playing for the Arizona Coyotes under Dave Tippett. I guess he was asked to do a similar thing here in Edmonton and provide offense too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, would it be something the orders would consider looking at bringing Reader back to see if he can't thrive again under a tippet i mean that's a question yeah. for ken holland yeah that would be that'd be interesting I, I i would imagine that they would talk to tippet about it and said and ask him you know okay you saw him when he was good and you saw him from the tape because he's already watched a lot of oilers tape he's he's been saying so you know was this guy just hamstrung was it bad luck or is he is he passed it you know we need an honest opinion from you and and you know holland is watching that tape as well and you know reader kind of floats around a little bit sometimes and, and doesn't look like he's really working as hard as he should be for a guy who hasn't scored in 50 or 60 games. As that thing went on, you would expect more from him, you know, in terms of getting his hands and nose dirty around the net. We didn't see it. And that's maybe not the kind of player he is, but nevertheless. So yeah, there is the history with coaches is a, is a big thing. Like Ty Ratty was very close to being a, you know, a fixture in the top six here and he was producing with McDavid and Hitchcock came in and Hitchcock had him before and didn't like him and didn't play him. And then, Boom! He he just went straight down. So there is something to that in the in the reader thing. His body of work last season was pretty catastrophic. So I I'm not sure if the Oilers would would be too eager to pony up 
But if, if Tippett says, you know what, I've, I've, I've watched this guy last year. I see what was wrong. I can get, I can get back to him. And if Tippett maybe talks to reader and maybe they, maybe they sort of come to something, I don't know. But if it, for me, it's pretty tough to sign a guy who went O for the season when you, when you're counting on him to be a top six forward, but you never know. They, they, they don't have a lot of moves. So if that's one of them, yeah, all right. Yeah. That's, that's you know, th- throwing things out there. Yeah. You know, the, the logic as to, you know, who you tag to bring in in hopes of, uh, you know, filling holes and coming up with surprises. I mean, not, you know, Zach Cassian's 15 goal year. That's what he ended up with, right? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, no one was expecting that. They yeah. were expecting, you know, hoping for that from Toby Reader since you, he's done that before. And you can't count on it. You know, and the chase on thing too, right? Yeah. The year they made the playoffs, everybody overachieved. And the question going into that summer was, can these guys duplicate it? Can these, you know, the test do and everybody have repeat these career years? And the answer is no. So when you're, when you're scouting, when you're putting together your team for next year and you're counting on 15 goals from Zach Cassian and 20 from chase on, I would temper those a little bit and, you know, maybe put them down for 10 and 12. And if the, if you get more great, but budget for 10 and 12. And then same with all these young players that they're talking about bringing up from, from Bakersfield. I would not count on Pulley doing anything. I would not count on Yamamoto doing anything. I would, you know, if they do, it's a, it's a bonus, but you have to have a team in place that is going to be successful and have those goals without those sort of speculative, uh, Cross your fingers. Hope this can be the guy. That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. Subscribe to Oil Spills on iTunes and Google Play. You can also listen to it via the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun apps and websites. 